webinars on financial literacy, how money doesn't grow on trees. Zoe's Club was created to encourage and educate people of all ages to enjoy a healthy financial future, to encourage you to think about what you're doing, how you're spending money, and why. We are not here to be a financial advisor for you. We're here to be an encourager. So please enjoy Money Doesn't Grow on Trees, and I hope today will be something that will encourage you to think about your financial future. So when we're looking at financial literacy and we're looking at how we spend money, we learn early on why we're going to spend money and how we're going to spend it based on some of the games we played. You know, I have a grandson and this weekend we spent our whole weekend playing this one particular game and I tried to play it in different scenarios. Now I will tell you I have a son that's very ruthless and he bought all the properties he could buy and he put all the hotels and all of the houses on his properties and I went with the standard utilities and railroads and I'm sure by now you figured out what my game is. And my grandson loves this game. So we were playing this game and I was trying to use different strategies to beat my son. And I thought, you know, that is exactly how we do life. We look at different strategies on how we're gonna win. And somehow we were taught the more toys you have, the more stuff you have, the more successful you will be. And you know, that only works in games. When we're spending our money, we have to stop and think about our filter system. Why are we spending this money? We have to identify it. We have to identify, is it because of our friends? Some people spend it based on friendships. Say you have $5 in your pocket, your buddy wants to go someplace to eat, you spend your last $5, what are you gonna do the rest of the month? Some do it in life seasons. For me, I'm a grandma. So I have several seasons that I've went through. When I first started, I can remember I, did, I started out doing hair and I had a lady that I did her hair and she would invite me to her house. And she had the most beautiful house you've ever seen in your life. And she had, at Christmas time, a Christmas tree in every room. I loved going to her house and I thought, you know, now I was 19, when I grow up, I'm gonna be just like this lady. And I will know I've succeeded because I will have a Christmas tree in every room in my house. Well, I did. I had 14 Christmas trees that I put up. And I will tell you, after years of putting up 14 Christmas trees, one day I realized, are you crazy? What is going on? Why would you have 14 Christmas trees in your house? And the sad thing was, I started October putting all these trees up and had till February taking them down because I had so much in my house. My son said, Mom, please don't put that tree in my room. I said, well, son, it's just what you want. It's all sports. The other one was all, you know, John Deere. It's like everybody had a theme. And then I was realizing I was just putting clutter in their way. All it was doing was causing me to spend more money. I was doing more things and it was just absolutely crazy. So your life season, now that I'm a grandma, I have to watch it. I spend money because I got grandkids. Your life seasons really can encourage you to spend more money if you're not careful. Then there's obligations, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Christmas, birthday. You know, we're obligated to spend this money because we have to show we care and we love each other. Then there's shop therapy. 
You know, some people, they just, they want that psych high of being shopping, you know, shopping and buying that purchase. They, I got to have it. I got to have it. So they just keep going and they shop and it just keeps coming and it becomes a habit. They become that shopaholic because it just keeps continually going and going again. Activities. You know, when my boys were in school and we had the sports, you know, living on a farm, you have the, you know, the fences, you have the all the barn tools and different things that you have, your activities can really cause you to spend money. I'm a decorator. I just, you know, part of my decoration uh, mentality is, oh, I need to do this. Oh, I've done this. I can remember one day I got up at midnight and my husband heard, he said, what are you doing? I was taking down wallpaper because I'd already wallpapered it just two days ago and I saw how it looked and I liked it fine but I wanted to see how it would look in a different color so your activities can really cause you to spend a lot of money that you really shouldn't or couldn't justification we justify what we're spending and the quick way for you to understand if your filter system is justification is if you say I need this because I want this because anytime because is in there or for then you know you have done this because, and you're justifying your spending, and it might not be the best choice for you, but you've done it anyway. Companionship. Now there's a difference between companionship and friendship. Companionship is, say, you're going shopping, and you have went to this store several times, so they know who you are. Hi, Miss or Mr. whatever, and they are introducing themselves. How are you today? So you have created a shopping experience just for companionship because you don't have other friends around that you really do a lot with. So you do this, then you turn around and you create a take back day so that you have a choice to go see them again. You have an experience or an opportunity to have that physical interaction that you might not be getting somewhere else in life. Be careful of that. Now, on the other side of the coin, grandparents and aunts and uncles are bad about this. We'll say, come see me and I'll give you. They'll give you something out of the precious possession pile so that you will come see them just because they want to be a part of your life. So that companionship is really important. Necessity. Is this a need or a want? Do I really need this or do I want this? Money does not make you happy. For some reason, we have that mindset that money does make us happy, but it does not make you happy. Is it a need or a want? Money can make you stressed or money can make you at peace. So do I need this or do I want this? The difference you'll decide is, say I have three days a week that I wear blue jeans. I have three pair of blue jeans in my closet. There is a great sale, $75 on sale for $15. Notice I wear jeans three days. I have three in my closet. Why do I need more? I don't need them. I have plenty. I want them. That's the way you identify. Is this a need or a want? Is my life going to stop if I don't have this? Shopping can be short-lived. You have buyer's remorse. You forget what you've purchased. I mean, you go shopping, you look at that credit card bill, or you look at your debit card receipts, and you're like, what did I buy again? Oh, where's that receipt? What was that expense for? And you just keep looking at this. Quality or quantity? You know, 80% of our closet we do not wear. 20% of our closet we do wear. 20% of our closet says, oh, you look good at that. The other 80% says, 
You need something else because you've kept looking at me and your closet is dry. You look at your closet and you say, I want to wear this, but oh no, you should not. You should not wear this. You, this does not look good on you. But you keep it because what if a natural disaster happens, a financial economic downfall of this whole country, and I don't have any way to buy clothes? Then I'll go to that 80% of my closet and I'll wear it. You've got to be careful of that because all that overstuff actually causes you to spend more money because you're dissatisfied with your life or you're dissatisfied with your closet. So be careful. You might hang your clothes up backwards and then you could turn around and you could see what you've wore in that six months time and pull out that 80%. That's a great way to identify it because never shop depressed. I know a lot of people, they'll go in and they'll shop depressed. I had a friend, her whole bedroom, her husband turned it into a giant walk-in closet. She had racks, a big long rack on one wall. She hung her dresses. The walk-in closet became the shoe closet. She had double racks on the other walls and her poor little husband had the shortest wall in the whole room and he hung his clothes there. I just looked and I thought, that is just amazing to me. But at a younger stage, I thought, oh, wouldn't that be a dream? Now I'm thinking, that is way too much laundry. Think about it. Everything that you own has to be maintained. It has to be took care of. You have to do the laundry. Be careful what you're storing because it just becomes a heavy weight to you to say that you're overwhelmed. Never shop hungry. They love it when you grocery shop. They love you to shop hungry because I can guarantee you, you will spend a whole lot more money because that's the easy button. Yes, I'll take those chips. Yes, I'll take that chocolate. I like those candy bars. What about the incentives or the reward points? Those reward points get you every time. I have three boys in my house and I can guarantee you I have the cards that tells me I get rewards and they are wonderful come birthday time. But is that why I'm spending? No. Budgets is made up of five separate parts. And I'll tell you before we go any further why I got to this journey. Back when my boys were little, my husband asked me to be a stay-at-home mom. And I thought, you know, I don't know anything about being a stay-at-home mom. I am just a workaholic. I love business. And so I came home and I was lost. I was absolutely lost. And he said, honey, so it's his fault we're doing this. He said, if you treated us like a business instead of how you're doing now, what would you do different in our lives? What would you do different in our home? And I go, oh, well, that's easy. So he brought me on the journey of treating our home like a business so I could understand how our finances actually play. Finances are broke up into those five parts, giving, saving, fixed expenses, flexible expenses, and taxes. Well, I'm definitely not a tax advisor, so that's all you're gonna hear on that. But on giving, you have to learn to give. If you don't learn to give, you'll never have enough. So budgeting has several different layers to it and you have to understand how they all play into effect. Attitude of gratitude. If you don't have an attitude of gratitude, you're gonna spend more money because those filter systems we talked about earlier are gonna come in there and they're gonna deceive you and they're gonna steal your money out of your pockets. And before you know what happened, you've busted your budget and you're back into square one. Time management is so important too. You have to organize everything. You have to look at it, time is money. So if you're an organized person, you have to be careful because you could over-organize. I have people that wanna over-organize. They want containers for everything because they think that'll help them be more organized so they'll save money. 
Well, OCD people like me, it's a detriment because we go through that aisle and it's like, ooh, everything has to match and everything has to be exact. And so you go in and you're doing all this fun stuff. Well, you spent a ton of money organizing, but you do have to be organized. An unorganized person, they're going to spend more money because they're going to have to fill in the blanks. Ooh, I got to drive through the drive-thru because I'm hungry. Ooh, I didn't plan for dinner tonight. It keeps happening every time you turn around. So you have to be careful that you have a correct balance in everything. Balance in your time, balance in your budget, balance in your money. And you have to learn to budget. You have to learn to write everything down. I don't know how many times I have to revisit this. And just because you did it once doesn't mean you're one and done. Everybody thinks I'm done. You're not. You still have to do it over and over again. You should look at it every month. Look at your yearly budget. You look at your monthly budget. Look at your quarterly budget. Because you know what? It all falls into play. What I spend in one month is not the same as I spend in another month. Exercise. This is so important because you have to stay healthy. But you have to be careful even with that. Because with exercise and with healthy, it can either cost you if you don't exercise because you will be unhealthy and you'll spend more money in medication or in therapy. But you could also go the extreme opposite and you could buy all these supplements and all these protein powders and you could do you know, the gym memberships and everything. I'm not telling you don't do that. I'm telling you learn balance. Be healthy, be grateful, budget, and rest. A good night's sleep, seven to eight hours a night, go to bed. Whatever you have, a DVR can take care of. You do not have to go stay up till whatever hour to watch something when you can watch it later. And you know what? I hate to tell you this, but life is not going to stop if you missed it. Go to sleep. Get a good night's rest because all of this has to play together for it to fall in right for you, for your life, for your strength, for your health, for your family. So just think about these layers because they're going to be very important in the future. Giving. Once again, I said giving. You have to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. It is a cultivation. You cannot just go without any forethought. You know, right here would be a great place for me to tell you about a man named Arnie Miller. He was the president of the Matrix Hair Company, and I had the privilege of interviewing for a job with him. And he said, I want you to go back, and I want you to think about think, dream, believe, dare that you want to do. I had no idea that at 54, I'd still be talking about think, dream, believe, dare. You have to think long and hard about what you want out of life. Then you have to dream about it. It has to become part of your fiber and being. You have to really absorb yourself in what type of life do you want to have. Then believing in yourself, and that's where a lot of people fall short. Somehow they feel like they can't do it, they shouldn't do it, they're not worthy of it, or it's too hard. But you've got to learn to believe in yourself. You've got to learn to know exactly what's, what it takes to get there and then daring to do it. Find that roadmap for your finances the same way you do for a career or the same way you do for your home or your family and find that balance in these areas. Giving is cultivating an attitude of gratitude. Then you have savings. You know, there are percentages, there are calculators out there. I encourage you to look at at least 5% in each area. There are plenty of financial gurus out there that can give you wisdom and tell you how to do this and how to invest it. That's not what we're here for. We're here to look at why we should do it. An emergency fund's important, why? An emergency fund's important because one year we had a tree fall on our house, a couple wrecks happened, a couple motorcycle wrecks happened, and by the time we were done, I thought, God, what did I do wrong? What happened? 
You know, if we hadn't had an emergency fund, we would have given up, rolled over, played dead, and said, oh, you know, it's never going to happen. I'm never going to get out of debt. We had to have a plan. An emergency fund gives you a plan. It gives you an opportunity to take control of a situation because that situation that is unexpected is going to happen. Some people call it a fickle fate. Some people call it a different thing, but that fickle fate hits your life and you're like, what am I going to do? Well, your emergency fund gives you control. A retirement account. The whole reason I looked at finances from a different perspective to teach was because I sat with widows and they didn't have enough money to buy medicine and groceries at the same time and my heart was devastated. If I'd have had enough money, I would have gave them everything I had, but you know what? That right there was the experience that taught me that I wanted people to prepare for their future. I wanted them to have enough money when they retired that they could buy medicine and groceries and not worry about where they're gonna live the next day. So those savings accounts are very important. And it could be you start with saving your change. If you're not in the habit of saving, learn to save something. I had one friend that she rounded up every dollar she spent to the next dollar in her checking account so that she could get a pad. I had one friend that she did no spend this day, no spend that month. I've had friends that save $5 every time you get a $5 bill. There's lots of options to get you started, but if you consider it a game, if you consider it a plan, if you consider it a strategy, then you will learn that saving is more important. It's not just, oh, it's in my hand, I'm going to let it go. Fixed expenses. So this is where I really got to have fun. In a business perspective, I always do a business opportunity of three. You get three bids for everything you do in business. So I started looking at all our bills. I wrote them all down, which is very important. Write all your bills down. And the first thing I hit was my house. My husband's like, well, I thought you were going to clip coupons. And I thought, oh no, if we're doing this like a business, we're doing it right. I said, actually, you're at a veritable interest rate and you need to be at a fixed interest rate and you're at a 30 year mortgage and you actually need a 15 year mortgage. And he looked at me and he's like, what are you talking about? And I go, well, if we refinance the house, you could drop the payment $250 a month. You could save an interest and you paid off in 15 years instead of 30. And he looked at me and said, why didn't you tell me sooner? You know, that's the problem. We don't look at things strategically. We just take the reflex. It's a bill, you pay the bill. It's a bill, you pay the bill. You have got to look at things strategically. You've got to think about how you're spending that money and why and what's the opportunity cost of it. How long is that bill out there? How long am I having to pay that bill that I lost the opportunity to spend that in another way? So we refinanced our house. Then we started looking at our car payments. You know, we've seen if we had equity in the car, we've seen if the interest rates had reduced, and we refinanced cars. Insurance. I saved $500 every six months just by re-evaluating my insurance. You know, that's a lot of money. It's either going in my pocket or it's going in somebody else's. It's our choice, how we look at it. So you look at your insurance. Are you overpaying? Are you underpaying? Are you adequately covered in insurance? And then you go apples for apples, go to three different companies. Everybody has a buddy that sells insurance. And that buddy's going to say, well, why would you get three bids? I remember I called. I said, will you bid for my insurance? And they go, well, what's your company? And I go, well, this is, and I said, my family name. And I said, I'm giving you an opportunity to earn my business. Well, I thought we were friends. Well, we are friends. That's the reason you got the opportunity. You know, because that's it. You know, business is business and it's your money. And you have to figure this out. You have to look at things strategically because it's, Everybody wants your money. So we looked at that insurance and by saving, it was, it was a huge expense for us. 
Renter's insurance. If you are renting a home or renting an apartment, and if you're not covered under a parent's insurance, you need to make sure you have renter's insurance because, you know, you don't know what that neighbor's going to burn down. And there goes all your stuff, that expensive computer, sound system, all your clothes. You have to have insurance. Have it covered. Make sure you look at your recreation. For instance, we have tractors, we have four-wheelers. They all have to be insured. I can't just say, oh, well, you know, that's a tractor. It doesn't need insured. What about if I live on a farm and the goat runs out in the road? Somebody hits the goat. That has to be insured. You have to look at it from every angle because if you're not covered, you're hurting yourself. Then there's traveling insurance. Look at all of it. What is the best choice for you? You have to look at it wisely. Writing it down makes a huge difference. So we got through all our fixed expenses. My husband was very thrilled. Then we started looking at the flexible expenses, and this is where my filter system hit. I grew up where my mom, she worked really hard, but we didn't have a whole lot. So I can remember one time she had laid out a beef liver on the counter, and I just knew it was chocolate pudding. And I went and touched that beef liver with a fork, not knowing it was beef liver, and something was wrong with the pudding. I called my mom, and I said, Mom, something's wrong with the pudding. It's stuck together. I did not eat beef liver that night, but that taught me that I wanted to make sure that I had plenty of food in my house so that nobody else had some of these experiences. So I was spending as high as $700 a month in groceries almost 30 years ago. Now, almost 30 years ago, $700 in groceries was pathetic. That was a ton of money. My husband said, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? What can we do to change this? Gas, gas in your car. Is your car go 15 miles to the gallon or does it go 30 miles to the gallon? Do you have the proper mileage vehicle for the amount of driving you do lunch money entertainment all those fixed expenses i know you're interested about that grocery thing so we're going to go back to that all righty so that grocery thing for me it was it was something else i had to make sure i had enough groceries in my house so before i had quit work i had spent several hundred dollars worth of groceries and just stored up a ton of food. I mean, I had cereal boxes, I had macaroni and cheese, I had raisins, I had cookies, I had everything I thought my family needed to be happy, healthy, and wise. So one day I noticed they were like little nests growing up in my ceiling crevice, you know, where your wall and your ceiling come together. And I thought, well, that's weird. So I cleaned them. And the next day they were there again. And I cleaned them again. And I thought, is this from living out in the country? Because I didn't live in the country before. I thought, well, this must be a country thing. So I called my father-in-law and I said, what is going on? Why am I getting these nests in my house? Now, before I tell you about that, I want you to know I'm very OCD. So you could eat off my floor at this time in my life. But I had nests growing in my ceiling. So that was just killing me because you don't do that. So my father-in-law, who knows everything, said, those are maggots. I said, what? Now, yes, you heard right, maggots. I said, you're kidding me. He said, you have some old food. You have some food stored somewhere that has hatched these bugs, these maggots, and that is what's growing in your ceiling. So I started looking through my cabinets and oh my word, 
They had hatched out of my cereal boxes. They had gotten in all my labels of my canned goods. I had to take all my labels off or clean them off and put the Sharpie that said, you know, green beans, corn, carrots, whatever. I had to throw away tons of food. They got in my noodles and my macaroni. They got in my raisins. All of that precious food that I knew I had to have to take care of my family had to be thrown away. I called that company and they sent me $14 worth of coupons. That's it, for hundreds of dollars of food. So that taught me a lesson right there that I needed to plan my meals. I didn't need to worry about storing an overstuffed amount of food, but I needed to plan wisely and know the shelf life on food. So those coupon clipping queens that might have cases of something on the shelf, be very careful. They have things and time dates on them that if you are not eating them in time, give them to a shelter. Give them to somebody that could use them. So I went through and I started planning my meals. I got my calendar out. I found a book that talked about this. I found a website now that you can research that'll talk about this. And I started writing my menus down of what I wanted to cook. So if I wanted Taco Tuesdays on Thursday, I had in my cabinet what I needed for the Thursday taco instead of the Tuesday taco. I didn't have to run to the store every time I turned around. I could buy exactly what I need based off a list. So I wrote down what everybody wanted to eat. I wrote my grocery list and I went shopping once a month. So all I had to do was go back and get bananas and milk and eggs. So you think about that when you're looking. It also saved me money because I could freeze my meals. So I would cook once a week or once every two weeks. Actually, I just did it. I cooked one day, just went crazy. It was a snow day and I cooked all kinds of stuff. My husband thought I was crazy, but I took and then I separated it to meals and I put it in the freezer and I'm still eating and I'm almost to the third week of eating what I cooked in that one day. And it saved me a ton of time and a ton of money because I didn't have to run through the drive-thru when I was hungry. I could use it for lunches. I could, you know, take it, take it to a friend. And that's exactly what we did. So being aware of your time management is important. Clean. Clean is so important. People don't think about it, but they turn around and they get so unhappy with life because of the clutter that they have. I love the fact that now life has highlighted all these people that are, you know, make it shine, give you joy, keep it organized. That's all wonderful. Be careful. You can overgive or you can undergive, and there's a balance to everything, and you have to maintain it. But cleaning helps you to have the opportunity or the reason or that filter system to spend money. Keeping a clean life or clean house or clean car will actually save you money because you will cultivate that attitude of gratitude. I have still not fixed the laundry bucket. For some reason, it keeps coming in the laundry room. I mean, I don't know what the deal is, but that laundry is a responsibility you have to do. Here's something that I learned back when I had the beauty supply. When you're shampooing your hair, where does the shampoo go? Down the drain. I could use a dollar bottle of shampoo or I could use a $7 bottle of shampoo. They both smell good. One might smell better than another, but where does it go? Down the drain. That's the same way with your laundry. People will spend money on laundry because they want these fresh smells and fresh things. You can actually make your own laundry detergent. Vinegar actually rinses out soap suds, which causes your clothes to get dirty quicker just by using a little vinegar. If you want to smell good, you might throw a little conditioner in it, throw some water, refill that pretty bottle or buy a pretty bottle, and there you go. You've got your laundry done. Maintenance. 
maintenance on your car, maintenance on your home, keep it up. You have to keep it up. The other day I Googled my car and I seen what maintenance was required at the mileage that it was. And I called and I got my appointment and I said, I need this done. They said, well, you know, if you do this, it really recommends that you do points two and three as well. And I said, yeah, I know. I already Googled it. So go ahead and get the kit and replace all three. Well, you know, that's going to be $600. I said, yep, I know that too. I Googled it. Notice I'm telling you, be informed. Be informed of what the average cost is for a repair. Know what you're going to do, when you're going to do it. Put it in your budget and plan for it. And then you're not freaking out that, oh gosh, how am I going to pay for that? But all of those things are important because it will save you in the long run. Because I love my car. I don't want to replace my car, so I need to keep it. Plan for fun. You know, life is not all about work. Workaholics like me, it doesn't bother us to work all the time because we love it. But you know what? There are other people in our lives that like to enjoy things other than work. So we need to make sure we schedule that. And then our civic duties. If you haven't learned to give through your community, find something to be involved in. It could be the foster care kids. It could be a mentoring program at school. It could be a shelter. It could just be your next door neighbor that you mow their lawn or rake their leaves. But find something that you can do that you can help another person. We've spent all this money and then we look at what happens with it. There's a credit score involved. Your credit score is very important. The highest credit score you can have is 850. The lowest credit score, I am really not sure the bottom line because it can go low. But you have to stop and think about it. All your credit that you have, all of your house payment, your insurance, your car payment, credit cards, student loans, all that calculates into a FICO score and it gives you that credit score. The credit score is important for two reasons. One, say you go get a management job and you might have a low credit score. Do they feel like you're going to be a good manager with a low credit score? No, because you're not even managing your own money. Why would you manage the companies? Then you've got those with a high credit score. That means that their interest rates on their loans are going to be a lot lower than somebody with a low credit score. It could be thousands of dollars that you're talking about. So guard your credit score. So what makes up a credit score? They look at how much credit you have available to you completely. So if I have a $10,000 credit limit on one card, or if I have five cards and they all have $10,000, that's $50,000 worth of credit I have available to me. They look at how much you charge out of that credit limit. They look at whether you're paying on time, whether you're paying the minimum balance, whether you're paying more, whether you're paying early or whether you're paying late, how long you've been in debt and how long you continue to add more cards to your bucket. All of that calculates this FICO score. There's a difference between secured debt and unsecured debt, but we're going to look at that in a minute. But I want you to think about all of that history makes up your FICO or your credit score. If you close a card, it could raise your score or it could lower your score based on how much you have out there charged against you. Some financial institutions like you to have no more than 20% charge. So if I have a $10,000 card, that means I only have $2,000 on the card as my limit that I want to spend on it. Some are 40, some are higher, some don't care. Now, when those that don't care, that means your interest rate's usually higher on a loan. So you have to be careful of that. Looking at all those things is very important. So the saddest part is America typically spends 100% of their money. They don't save much. I think the average is like 2.5%, 2.2%, some Americans will save. 
But that is not the whole picture. That is only some. There are others that save a ton that are wonderful savers. You have to think about this. Is it a secured debt or an unsecured debt? Because that's what they're looking at. A secured debt is something that's secured by an item. It could be a house, it could be a car, and that's usually a closed-end loan. Now, you have an unsecured debt that can be open-ended or closed-ended. For instance, an unsecured debt would be a credit card, or it could be a line of credit at a financial institution. Some will open in, some will close in, but it says here, here's this money. We know you have a good name, or we know that you have a opportunity to pay it, or maybe you will pay it. So they give you that unsecured debt. So you put $2,500 on that debt. At 17.8% interest, you have made a relationship with that institution for 241 months if you only pay the minimum payments, which would have been $39. If you took that same $2,500 at 17.8 interest and you paid it off in 120 months, all you'd have to do is pay $45. Now understand that $6 more, but you just cut your time off from 241 months to 120 months. What if you were smart and you strategically whittled that bill away. So you took that same $2,500 at 17.8 interest and you paid $91 a month, you would have it paid off in 36 months. Three years versus 241 months. You do the math. All because you wanted to keep around $50 in your pocket. You have to think about this because everybody wants your money. Now you can go to annualcreditreport.com and you can pull a free credit report off of all three entities. There are three credit bureaus. And you can look at this and you can decide what you need to do strategically. I encourage you to go to your credit union and have them pull a credit analysis on you. Let them pull your credit and review it with you and see a way that you can actually work through that plan that you're going to develop to get out of debt. Have a plan. Debt stresses us out. Plans give us control. So we need to create a budget. We write everything down. Then we look at the debt that we have, those credit cards, those house, car, bike, tractor, whatever. Whatever you put in that bucket, you write it all down and you write out the interest rate of what you owe and you calculate your opportunity cost. How long it's going to pay you if you do, just like we did that $2,500. How much is it going to cost me? How long am I going to have to pay this? Will it ever end? Because those little friendly pieces of plastic in your back pocket or in your purse are there for a lifelong commitment. You know, they don't care. They're there to be your friend forever because they want you to feel good about them. That's why you carry them in your pocket. So think about these debts that you have, write them down and come up with a plan. There are several options. One is a snowball repayment plan. Say you have three credit cards. One's a $25 payment, one's a $50 payment, one's a $100 payment. You take and you have that 80% in your closet, you have a yard sale you pay off that $25 one. So you take that $25 you were originally paying on it and you pay it towards the $50 one. Everywhere where you've whittled in your, in your budget with your groceries, with your house, with your car, with your maintenance, everywhere that you've not spent in that category in your budget, you apply that to that second bill and you pay it off. Then you get that one paid off and now you've got $75 you're applying to the $100 bill and you do that the same thing. What about if you have equity in your car? What if you know, say this is maybe $2,000, $3,000 and you can't afford to pay that off or it feels overwhelming. Maybe you have equity in your car and you know that you'll pay that car off within a certain amount of time. Maybe you should refinance that credit card into that car. 
that might be a better option for you. Look at it because those high interest rates will cost you a lot of money. Some people theory that they want you to pay the highest interest off first because they say, well, you're just throwing money away. You know, if you don't pay it off, it's gonna hurt you. So I don't care which choice you do. I don't care if you do the snowball. I don't care if you do the highest interest. I don't care if you do the loan consolidation. Do something. Freeze your credit. That's one thing you need to think about when you're looking at these credit cards. Freeze your credit. There's two types of freezing your credit, in case you didn't know. One is you take that little fancy piece of plastic that you love so much, and you take and put it in a Ziploc bag, and you zip that Ziploc bag, and you go get a metal coffee can, and you put that little piece of plastic in the coffee can, and you fill it three-fourths the way full of water, and you put it in the very bottom of your deep freeze. That way, you don't keep spending. The second way is going to annualcreditreport.com and on each three credit bureau, freeze your credit. That way nobody can give you any credit in your name without your consent. You have to unblock your credit. But you've got to stop spending, otherwise it will just keep snowballing. That repayment plan isn't going to help if it's just new debt. Then you've got the envelope savings plan. Say every area in my budget has an envelope. For me, I know what I spend in each area, and I only have the envelope for my groceries because you know this is my weakness. So I take all of my other, and I have it immediately going out of my account for my car, for my insurance, for my house. It all comes immediately out, and I know that. And then I take my grocery money, and I put it in an envelope, and I know how much I have to pay in groceries. So anything I have left over goes to any loan or any debt that I have so that I can pay it off. And each month I do that. That's called zero-based budgeting. So at the beginning of the month, I start out with exactly what my paycheck is and I go from there and I constantly do that every month. Make a list. I make a list for my groceries. I make a list of vitamins. I have an app on my phone that I actually have lists. This is what my husband uses. This is what I use. This is what we need on a trip. This is what we need when we go camping. And I would know exactly what I had to have I even had a a list for what people wore or wanted for Christmases or birthdays or whatever. You choose what's best for your personality. It's something that you have to identify and you have to define for yourself. Once you've got a plan, stick to it. Be careful with identity theft. Unfortunately, that is something that we have to really watch. You know, back years ago, you never really heard about it, but I will tell you what happened to my brother. He had a friend come over. I put friend in parentheses if you can't see it. But he had a friend come over and a friend took a copy of his driver's license and his social security card. And he went to another town and bought a cell phone under my brother's name. My brother went to go buy a house and they said, oh, you have this cell phone debt that you've not paid. We can't give you a loan. And my brother's like... I don't have a cell phone in that town. I live in this town, and I've lived here since 1982. And they go, well, you have this debt, so we can't give you a loan. And so my brother had to actually find out who did that loan in his name. And he had to make sure that they knew that that was identity theft before they ever allowed him to purchase that home. So it could be a friend. It could be a family member. I hate to say it like that, but say your parent had tore up their credit, so they used the child's name, and that has happened. They've used the child's name to buy cell phones, internet, or whatever, because it's a good, clean credit score. There's nothing on them, so they're good to go. So they will actually use their family member's identity. Others, it's just a scammer. It's just somebody that you don't know, that you don't have a clue you've never met. 
with all the fishing and all the different things that's happened, it can take place. That's why you freeze your credit. That's why you look at identity theft protection. Shred, shred, shred. I remember my kids would get their paychecks, their pay stub, and they would leave it or throw it in the trash. I'm like, no, shred it. You've got to shred it. Set your privacy settings on your social media. I mean, whenever I log into my social media, I have a code that comes to my phone that I know when something's been logged into my social media. And if it's not me, we're in trouble, buddy. So you have to set those. Be careful. Do not use free Wi-Fi. People love free Wi-Fi. Ooh, let's go here because it's free Wi-Fi. Well, you know, you got a hacker sitting somewhere that's just really happy you sat down because they're going to mirror whatever you got on your computer or your phone and they're going to just scam it away and they're going to enjoy it. Be careful. Copy everything in your purse, everything in your billfold, because you know what? When you have a copy of it, they've got skimming devices. They've got electronic decoding devices that they can just find all your information. If you make a copy of it and put it someplace, somebody steals your purse, you know exactly who to call. You know exactly what number to do and say, hey, this card was compromised or whatever. So make sure you do all of that. Eat right, exercise, and attitude of gratitude. You have to have a clear mind. Eat right, combination protein carb combination of whatever it takes to make you healthy. If you're gluten-free, you do gluten-free, but eat that proper diet. Don't just um, hit the vending machine or hit the drive-thru. Make sure you eat right. Exercise 30 minutes a day. It could be two stents of 15, but make sure you exercise. Get a good night's sleep. It's vital to your health. It helps your body to heal. It helps your body to thrive. And if you don't eat right and exercise and get a good night's sleep, you will be drungy, tired, exhausted, spend more. And make sure you keep that attitude of gratitude. Because if you don't keep the attitude of gratitude, all the rest does not fall into place like it should. Make sure you plan for fun. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today. I hope you learned a little bit. I hope you were encouraged. I hope you develop your plan to get out of debt and stay out of debt and take control of your finances. From Ozark Federal Credit Union and Zoe's Club, have a great day. Zoe's Club, Zoe's Club, we come together in Zoe's Club. We're saving money, is so much fun, all in Zoe's Club. Reading, learning, sharing time, saving, spending, and being kind. All in Zoe's Club. Contact Ozark Federal Credit Union at 573-686-7221. Membership eligibility required. Federally insured by NCUA.